A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Good day, guys. I hope you're healthy. You know, you're staying away from everyone, doing all your social distancing stuff. I know it's tough, I know it's getting boring, but yeah, we just gotta do it. And you know, there's this one thing about me, it's I really like to stay away from hype. But I just feel like I need to do this episode because I want to get my voice out there to share with you why I'm not in the oil and gas sector in my investments. You know, there's so many people out there these days trying to share with people, you know, you should jump into oil and gas, especially some of the calls that I've been having and it's like, ah, it's very allergic to that. And I'm going to share with you this one thing. If there are two sectors that are very difficult to understand, one of them is definitely pharmaceuticals. The other one, you guessed it, oil and gas. People have like a whole trading floor just for this thing, right? So yeah, I'm going to share with you three reasons why you should not jump into the oil and gas sector at this point in time. So good morning everyone, I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we'll be debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it, ultimately empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. So today's topic, three reasons why you should not jump into the oil and gas sector at this moment. Okay, I don't think you really need me to fill you in with what is happening in the oil market, right? It's all over the news and the WTI crude index went below into the negative territory, right? So I'm not a futures expert and I don't want to dabble too much into futures in this episode. But essentially, I want to share with you and clarify that, you know, it doesn't mean huh, oil become negative price, huh? Doesn't mean you can go and pump petrol for, you know, and then ask the petrol guy to give you money, huh? Okay, the understanding is that within the oil and gas sector, there are actually a lot of traders, not just people that want the oil, right? So all these traders don't actually want oil. They just want to make money off the price movements. So they participate in this thing called a futures contract, right? Which is a contract that they buy or sell to guarantee the future price of this thing, which is oil, okay? So what happens is when this contract expire, they will need to take that oil, Right, and they will need to put that oil somewhere. And all these people, right, they usually will put that oil in you know the kind of shared storage space that all these exchanges have already uh, you know kind of worked their way with. Right, so in Texas, in the WTI area, West Texas, they have their own storage facility. But you know what happened? The storage more already, storage full lah. That's why. <laughs> There is no place to go and a lot of these traders have no place to put the oil. They don't know what to do with it. So they just have to throw the contracts out there and, you know, it drives things to the negative territory, right? Simply put, it is in a mess, right? There's so much oil, 
too much supply, not enough demand, and all these traders are getting burned because the storage facilities are packed. Okay? I will not dive deeper, but I hope you get a general understanding of why the oil prices are in the negative territory. So, you know, being the capitalist that I am fundamentally, you know, of course, it doesn't mean I'm only capitalist. Huh? Some people get allergic to this word. You're capitalist, huh? you want to make money off everything. And the truth is, I'm a capitalist and I'm also, you know, many other things. Just that as of now, <laughs> I cannot think of what other things, but it's okay. So being a capitalist I, that I am, you know, I definitely want to capitalize on opportunities, right? And one of these opportunities that many people are talking about is the oil and gas sector because now it's getting burned, right? So it's essentially, essentially, actually nothing is burning. <laughs> That's why it is getting burned. But a lot of these people that are all over Facebook, all over YouTube, telling you to go into the oil and gas sector, right? Well, never ever in the oil and gas sector. Right? They never understood what is going on. They were never in the playing field. And if you think about it, the oil and gas sector actually has like a whole trading desk on a lot of all these kind of big financial firms. Like you, they're actually oil traders, you know, and they're equity people. Equity is like everything popular, equity, you know, and then oil traders are like specific one, oil traders, right? And then you, you, you rarely hear gold traders, it's like precious metals, they got together with like copper and silver and everything but there is like a whole trading desk called oil traders you know so if you think about it right if these people are like spending day in day out one whole trading platform to do oil only and then all these kind of random youtubers and facebook people right that you know i i, I don't know what to say but they come out suddenly all oh, become oil expert uh, you really gotta you know think about what you're listening to and whether do they actually have a solid ground to share with you what's going on and the truth is i don't have a solid ground to share with you what is going on in the oil market also so then i stay out of it ma and i'm encouraging you to stay out of it ma <laughs> But this is not advice, I remember this is what I'm going to do and you got to see it for yourself. But before we go deep into the reasons, let me just kind of run you through quickly, you know, in the general understanding of the oil and gas sector. So the oil and gas sector actually is split up into three parts, the upstream, midstream and downstream. So the upstream essentially are all your drillers, right? They all, they, they, they drill out all this raw crude and, you know, essentially all the raw crude oils are. Right, so that those are your upstream people, and your midstream people are your storage people. They need to store somewhere and the transport. They transport the oil from country to country, region to region. Whether it's pipelines by ships or whether it's all these holding containers, they are all midstream. And then the downstream people are your refiners and you know, uh, people that make petrochemicals and all the other different things that come after. Whether it's energy, blah blah blah, depending on how broad you want to define it. And then there are some companies that are vertically integrated and they do all three things, upstream, midstream, downstream. So of course, this is definitely not sufficient for you to understand the whole sector. Each and every component have their own things. But what you need to be very aware is that oil prices right, are especially impactful to the people on the upstream and the downstream. Right, because the people in the midstream they just kind of transfer, right? Transfer around. In fact, now it's a good time for their business because the storage tank is full and everything, right? So, all the contracts to to do all this storage and everything, right? It's like just flooded, and 
the upstream people, which are the people that are drilling, and the downstream people, which are people that are refining, they're all struggling with this low-price environment. And one thing you need to be aware of is that the oil and gas sector is super leveraged, super capital-intensive, especially at this point in time. And I know before that, I shared with you a little bit about how I don't like the airline sector because you got to buy the plane, lease the, lease the runway, lease the parking lane, everything, the hangar, before you can even start business, right? Oil and gas is way worse, right? Of course, we will not dive too deep into this today if you're super interested if you really really want to know i'll probably get a friend of mine to come on the show and talk about oil and gas so let me know if you're super super interested in this thing just ring me up join our telegram group talk to us on facebook and we'll see what is possible okay but let me bring you to the very first point why i feel you should not jump into the oil and gas stock at this moment and that is because there will be a lot of merger acquisitions and a lot more debt in the sector all right so what do i mean Essentially, merger and acquisition is when two things come together. Okay, sometimes maybe more. Right, so two companies come together. Whether is it one buy one guy buy the other, or the other guy sell to the other, or whether is it two people just decide to come together, or three, four, five. You really don't know in this current environment, but there'll be a lot of mergers that's going to happen because a lot of these companies are super leveraged and they'll probably never be able to tie through this, you know, low oil price, right? Even at 20 to 25 to 30 US dollar per barrel, right? It's going to be very, very expensive, at least from what I read, lah, huh? It's going to be very expensive for a lot of these companies. They cannot handle it. So needless to say, in such an environment where prices are like sub 20, right? It's, it's already going to kill a lot of these guys. And do you think demand will pick up in a short period of time? I highly doubt so. Uh, there will there will definitely be an uptick in demand as more and more countries open up, but it's going to take some time. So how much time do these companies have? Honestly, I, I don't know. And you just look at the recent Hilong bankruptcy case in Singapore. You know, how many people are betting on them and lending them money, you know, to run this whole thing? Essentially, you know, a lot of people will get affected. There'll be bankruptcies, there'll be buyovers, there'll be mergers and acquisitions in this space. So with all this uncertainty, right, honestly, as a as an outsider, I don't really want to participate in this like crazy turmoil because I don't understand. I don't understand enough about what's going on and I don't think you should blindly jump into it just because you believe, you know, all your value. Just because you believe that, you know, everybody need to pump petrol and, you know, this thing will come back up. So the sector is so complicated that even if you... Even if there is a real demand underlying with the petrol and everything, right? Fair. But because of all these kind of mergers that is going to happen, you really don't know what's going to come out of this sector. And through all these mergers, right? One thing is going to be happening is that there'll be a lot more debt in the sector. Because too much, right? People need to spend money, right? Or even to file for bankruptcy, someone need to buy you over. So... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I'm not sure how much 
money do a lot of these guys have? Of course, you can just go and look at their balance sheet and you have a better understanding. So for my brief look at some of the big boys' balance sheets, right, even they will probably be struggling to tide through this period because they are super leveraged themselves. And from a creditor's viewpoint or from a bank, uh, at this point in time, you sure you want to lend money to oil and gas? There are so many other better companies to lend to. Why would you want to lend to the oil and gas sector? So very good chance there will be mergers and very good chance there will be a lot more debt in this sector so even if they can get money to tide through this period because of for whatever reason that they managed to get money there'll be a lot a lot of debt in this sector way more than where it is so when there's more debt in the sector it means that they're going to eat into your profits because they need to pay interest Right, so like it or not, it's too complicated at this point in time, and I don't want to participate in a huge ball of mess that I don't understand. Right, so with all the MNAs, with all the debt that's gonna happen, I'm choosing to stay out of the oil and gas sector merely because I'm ignorant and I don't understand. Right, I'm not gonna be like other people saying like, "Wow, oil ah, so low, yeah, must come back one, just join." Wow, bang eh, you. Wow, I don't know what to say, <laughs> but. I agree, oil prices will come up, right? They cannot function at this price. There'll probably be too much intervention and too much black swan issues at this point in time for oil prices to be at this level. I agree that oil prices will come back up, but I just don't know what is going to happen in the sector because it's just too messy and I have limited understanding. So with that, I'm going to stay out of the sector. Which brings me to point number two, is that especially for Singaporeans, right, we have much better dividend-paying investment vehicles. Right? And what do I mean by that? Okay, a lot of people, when they invest in the oil and gas sector, honestly, they're looking for dividend. All right, you, you will not see like super, huge growth in terms of in the oil and gas sector you will not see companies suddenly like year on year grow 20-30% if you want to get that kind of growth investments right, you definitely go into tech you go into pharma you go into all the fast growing companies right so when people invest in the oil and gas sector or broadly speaking the energy sector your utilities they tend to be classified together all of them, right, are mostly a dividend play. That means they want to make money from dividends because it's a stable business. A lot of people need them and they pay pretty decent dividend of about 5 to 10%, okay? So it's pretty good dividend, right? Year on year, I think that's pretty nice. But for Singaporeans, right, we really don't need to go into this sector to make that dividend, Back at home, we already have the REITs market. The Singapore REITs market is very interesting and very exciting. And I'll probably do an episode about the REITs market because I'm definitely exploring the REITs market and I want to share with you why I'm looking at the REITs market. But not today. <laughs> right? So tune in next week or the week after to learn a lot more, just a little, little bit more about you know why I'm investing in the REITs market or why am I looking at the REITs market. And because we are in Singapore, because we have all these other tools, in general, actually, our equities do pay out pretty good dividends. Although I'm not a big proponent of the equity market in Singapore, I'm looking at the REITs market, which also pay very, very good dividend, actually. So when I look at them, right, if I already have home ground advantage, I understand what's going on. I already have this access to this tool, you know, which is the REITs market, then why do I need to, you know, dig into something that I don't understand, which is like the oil and gas sector at this point in time, to try to make dividend play? 
I don't want to do that because I, I don't understand enough. But you know what's interesting? A lot of people don't even realize that people go into the utility sector, the oil and gas sector for dividend. They're really just listening to other people saying, oh my god, oil prices will come up. Let's faster jump into it. You know, so please don't do that. Understand that many people in the sector, of course there are traders, of course there are people that buy distressed companies and try to turn around. All those are, are true, they are there. In every sector, there are these kind of experts that can do all these things. But broadly speaking, when people are trying to build portfolios, they look at the utility sector, they look at the oil and gas energy sector as a dividend-paying machine. So if Singaporeans have access, also Malaysians have very good REITs also. So Singapore and Malaysia, we all have access to like all these good REITs, right? All, all these other tools that pay pretty good dividend. So we don't actually need to take on this uncertainty risk, joining into something that we have no clue and have never studied prior. All right, so I know being a fundamental capitalist, we want to capitalize on opportunities, right? But honestly, if you don't understand the opportunity, you are the one being capitalized on. <laughs> Which brings me to my third point is that there is limited long-term growth potential in the sector, at least from what I see. Right On the broad sector, right, I don't see a lot of growth, probably because I don't understand it enough, that's one thing, but also because there are other alternatives that I see way more growth in than the oil and gas sector. So although I keep talking about dividend in the earlier part of this podcast, right, which also shows that you know, as my life changed, I want to upgrade my portfolio and evolve it to fit my needs right so when i was younger i was all about growth just grow 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 and at this point in time because i'm looking to you know kind of take on into another phase of life to even consider buying a property to kind of settle down somewhere or somehow something you know it's just different so I want to kind of switch up my portfolio to take on a little bit more dividend-paying stuff and kind of stabilize the portfolio in, in with other non-correlated tools, right? Which essentially, it's a form of diversification. And we can talk about diversification in another podcast. So at this point in time, I want to look at dividend play. But all that being said, I'm fundamentally still very concerned about the growth of companies because when I look at it, if something is not growing, they will cut back on my dividend, huh? You know, some are even worse because investors are so used to them paying dividend. Some companies actually go to the extent of taking on debt or raising capital to keep up with the dividend so that the share price will not be affected. Uh, wow, that one is a whole ball game to talk about another time. But when I look at it, Although I want to get some dividend play, although I want to stabilize the portfolio to me, growth is still very important because it forms the fundamental of companies and it forms the fundamental of my investment thesis. So when I look at the oil and gas sector, right, I find that it is going to take you know, quite a while to kind of stabilize or even see any form of growth in the sector right why do i say so because i think there's a lot of political pressure that's going around whether is it with russia saudi you know with china and you know with the us they are all trying to kind of play around this game right so with all this kind of political pressure oil prices are probably going to be gonna, probably going to stay down for quite a while right so if it's going to stay down for quite a while it means that this sector is going to go through quite quite a tough time in terms of trying to make money in terms of trying to you know if they don't make more money they cannot further invest and they cannot grow right so when i look at it oil prices are going to stay relatively low because of all this kind of political pressure and 
You know, US used to be a buyer. Now they are actually net seller, net exporter of oil. So when more supply, less demand, at least for, for a short period of time or even for an extended period of time, oil prices are going to stay low and these companies have smaller margins. They make lesser money and they're not going to have the kind of money to capitalize on new growth opportunities. And of course, there is the general trend towards clean energy and all these kind of uh, world organizations to come in to curb you know, all the carbon emission, right? So I see a lot of headwind factors when it comes to alternative energies, which are getting more and more efficient that can potentially replace some of the uh, big parts of the kind of energy requirements that we have. And also the big push for a cleaner world, a lower carbon emission world will probably be very challenging for some of these oil and gas uh, players. Right? So when I look at it, firstly, I don't understand enough. And secondly, I think there's just too many headwinds for them. So I don't see long-term growth opportunities in a broad sector. Definitely in different companies, you will be able to find growth opportunities, but are you that person to go in and dig deep into different, different companies? Most people are looking at sector broad-based ETFs or different uh, broad strategies to buy into the sector, right? So when I look at it, nah, I'm just not going in because I think there are limited growth opportunities from my shallow understanding. So I'm going to sum up today with three points why Singaporeans should not jump into the oil and gas sector at this moment. Number one being there will be a lot of M&A, there will be a lot of debt because of the situation that they are in. A lot of them are highly leveraged. They will need to merge to even survive. So with more debt, they're going to eat into long-term profitability of these companies. Number two is that we have much better dividend-paying machines in Singapore poor right the reality is a lot of people when they invest in oil and gas or utilities energies the broad sector they're in for dividends and in singapore we have a lot of options in malaysia we have a lot of options we don't need to venture into the oil and gas sector for this and the third reason is because i see long-term growth issues right long-term growth issues for the oil and gas sector so i hope you learned something useful today see ya hey I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with a financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. I hope you would share what you've gained with people you love and I want to hear from you. Give me some questions and help me along with building a community of financially savvy coconuts. I hope together we can fulfill our curious minds and our desire for clarity. Join our community telegram group, reach out to us on Facebook, just search The Financial Coconut. If you enjoyed the podcast, Feel that you want to contribute and keep us growing, stay independent, do buy us a Kofi at Kofi.com. Everything is in the link below. With that, have a great day ahead, stay tuned next week, and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 